So I wanted to do a bit of a disclaimer before this next episode. When I first started A Nurse Out Where, it was never about me. It was about raising the profile of rural and remote nurses and it was about getting the voices and the stories out there to hopefully inspire inspire workforce and inspire change. Now, when I first started, I had a lot of people ask me, when are you going to share your story? And I made a promise that I would share my story if I ever got to 50 episodes. With all of your support and helping me along and encouragement, uh, here we are. We're at episode 50. So thank you to you all. Thank you for the awesome work that you continue to do. Thank you for your support. And hopefully, who knows, who knows what might happen if I get to 100 episodes. We'll have to wait and see. Get your favourite tipple, kick your feet up and relax. Enjoy the 50th episode of A Nurse Out Where. So I've worked in lots of different areas um, and lots of different places. And I think we're so fortunate that we we live and work in some of the places that are on people's bucket list, you know, for travelling that they might get to experience for a poofdeenth of time. And, you know, we, we live it and love it. Hello and welcome to A Nurse Out Wear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Oh, got it. You should be an old hand at this. All right, you ready, matron? Ready. All right. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to a nurse out where podcast. My name is not Danielle Corza. My name is Josh Stafford. And like Danielle, I've been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. You may remember me from the inaugural podcast, Money Won't Make You Stay, which stated the number one spot listened to Nurse Outwear podcast until the technical error wiped in from the number one spot. Tonight is a very special episode. A Nurse Outwear is celebrating its 50th birthday episode with none other than the Megadon herself, Miss Danielle Causa. Danielle has over 19 years of experience in nursing and has primarily worked in the rural and remote setting. She has qualifications in clinical education, general practice management, project management, has a dual master's of nursing and is an adjunct professor with James Cook University. She's worked as an AIN while studying for her RNs and has worked in many different areas of nursing across New South Wales and Queensland, from general practice, occupational health, mindsite medic, primary health projects, educator and director. Danielle was the first nurse on the hospital and health service boards when they began in Queensland back in 2012 and possibly one of the youngest executive directors of nursing, Amy Wifery, when she took the role back in 2020, one day before they declared the global pandemic. She's about to graduate from the International Council of Nurses Global Nurse Leadership Scholars Program, and has this year started with the Australian College of Nurses Policy Fellow Program. In the spare time, she formed a rural remote focused podcast titled A Nurse Out Where, which she's most proud of. Danielle, is there anything you haven't done? 
Um, yeah, there's probably lots of things that I haven't done, Josh. Like handing over the oh, reins for our birthday celebration. Um, I'm a bit nervous about this, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> and wisely so, Danielle. We had plans of meeting together and popping a bottle of champagne. We probably would have been incoherent by question number six. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am in a dry community and you're in not a dry community. What, you got a glass or something there? I do. I do have a, uh, a throat warmer. It'll be fine. Good, good. <laughs> Dan, you've got a set of questions here that you've asked all the fine people before you. You could probably know the first one off the top of your head, don't you? I, I probably do. Go on. Let me, let me ask it though. <laughs> this podcast is titled A Nurse Out Loud. From your perspective, can you finish the sentence? I'm a nurse out where? So I, I really like um, this question just because it uh, everyone gives a different answer. Some people give a geographical answer. Some people give a metaphorical answer. And uh, my answer to this question would be that I'm a nurse out where you'd rather be. So I've worked in lots of different areas um, and lots of different places. And I think... We're so fortunate that we we live and work in some of the places that are on people's bucket list, you know, for travelling that they might get to experience for a poofteenth of time. And, you know, we, we live it and love it. There's something extremely addictive about what we do, isn't it? And I don't think you're, not, you're saying it's not just a geographical um, location, but the people that are in that geographical location as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the people certainly make it. Having done 50 podcasts of these, what's what's one of the answers that's most resonated with you? Um, I really like the the top tips of what people think they should come with. Um, and they've mm. they've varied as well. You know, some people are more on, you know, they need to bring coffee and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um I like that people, and I feel the same, that you need to come with an open mind, you know. Um so there's been there's been a lot of talk about that about how you just have to be willing to go with the flow and just see see what happens. Sometimes going with the flow is easier said than it done because everyone comes into situations with their own ideas of how things how things should go. Do you think it's a um, do you think it's a sign of a of a good remote area nurse that someone that's able to put aside those ideas and go with the flow, or do you think? Sometimes you need to hold true to your own values or your own your own ideas to survive out here. Um, I think there's a little bit of both in that. Um, mm. Like I think you need to stay true to yourself. You need to stay. You need to be aware of what your limitations are and what you know what's outside of your scope of practice. Um, but I think being open to each opportunity as an individual opportunity in an individual community really makes the difference and really helps you to settle. Um, I find that, you know, people say every community is different and yes, every community is different, but you could go back to that community and it could be different again. If you bring your bias from the previous time that you were there, then you're not going to have the, sim the same experience. Absolutely, absolutely agree with that, Dan. Absolutely. Should we move on to the next question? Sure. You've Why? thrown a curveball at me already. Going a little bit off script. <laughs> hey, why did you? Why did you want to work in rural remote nursing? What sparked um, your interest? Did you so find? I, did you? Yeah. Was it something you always wanted to do, or did you fall into it, or what? What? I grew up. Get there? I grew up um, in a rural area, so I always lived mm. um, on a farm and had 
you know, all the farm animals and whatnot. Um, so I think growing up rural, I kind of was used to that as an experience um, and as a lifestyle. And I think I pretty much was seeking the lifestyle rather than seeking rural nursing. Like I really wanted to be somewhere where I enjoyed being and I enjoyed the adventure of being there. And if I could work there, that was even better. So, um, so I guess I, yeah, so I started in rural um, and yeah, we, we moved for, for work in different locations, either for my husband's work or for my work, um, but always went for what we could experience in that location and, you know, and I could get a job there as well. How do you differentiate rural from remote or do you differentiate rural from remote? Oh, this is really interesting and something that I've thought about a lot, um, something that I've challenged people a lot um, in my role, particularly as the executive director of nursing. Um, and as, a, as understanding of regional, rural, remote and then isolated practice, um, and isolated practice may not be working on your own. Um, you might be, you know, still with a team, but you're isolated by the fact that you, you know, you, you're cut off or you're on an island or those kinds of things. Um, the difference between rural and remote can be the presentations. I think it's the, um, I think it's the community. I think it's your location. Um, but yeah, that I, I think a lot of people generalise uh, the difference between rural and remote by the clinical presentations that you get. Yeah, what do you mean by that, Dan? So rural, I would see more as like farming, um, yeah, okay. you know, those kinds of traumas where remote is, um, you know, it, it's similar to like what you have um, up in the Cape, you know, like you, you've got rheumatic heart disease from a condition that's easily preventable. Um you know, if you just do those smaller health promotion kind of activities. So they're, they're kind of, it's, yeah, it's the different kinds of presentations, I think. Are you, are you thinking there as well? There's a, I mean, there's a huge difference between working remote with Indigenous populations and working remote with non-Indigenous populations. There's no same, same, but different there, is it? They're totally unique challenges with each cohort, which, Absolutely. Each, you know, each needs, each needs their own specialised set of skills to deal with. Yeah. And in some ways, I think they're transferable, but other ways, not transferable. The way you yeah. approach Indigenous people is completely different to how you would approach a fourth generation farmer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely right. Hey, Dan, as a nurse, we're down by the Australian and Nursing Midwifery Board. Oh, what are we, some policy, aren't we? Professional standards, <laughs> you know, you know, confidentiality, Dan. <laughs> Can you tell me your most fond memory or funny tale of working in a rural and or remote setting? Okay, um, so I had to think about. Of this one over fifty podcasts. I have. I have thought of. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't decide what uh, what mine would be. Like I remember um, as an AIN working as an AIN when I was doing my nursing. I worked in a nursing home, and it was in mm. um, the Upper Hunter, so um, in a more regional area, and it gets quite cold. Um, you know, with, you know, frosts and, you know, very cool mornings. And yet it was still in the times of, and I could never understand, but it was still in the times of, you know, you've got to get everyone up and showered before breakfast at seven o'clock. Yeah. And it used to really, like, it would irritate me, but I, I didn't, didn't see or I didn't know that I could influence the change there. 
Um, if I had my time again, I would have stood up a lot more. But I remember one of my one of my patients um, had dementia, and every morning we had to get her up, and I had to convince her that we had cows to milk. And she'd get up and say, <laughs> she'd be Burr, talk about cold. And I like I still now when it's cold, I still say, oh, talk about cold. And she comes to mind each time. But yeah, we had to play charades and get you know get up and get the cows milked and all this sort of stuff. So you know, there's stories like that. Um, I could tell the story about when I worked as an occupational health nurse um, and I had a lengthy conversation with a patient who had failed their, um, their drug medical test um, and they claimed it was because of the poppy seeds they had on their sandwich that day. Um, but that's, that's not actually the poppy seeds that was the issue. Um, I also, when I was working there, I had a guy, uh, we were doing a physical, a medical physical test to be able to go and work in the mines and uh, he threw himself into AF as we were doing the test. So that was, that was lots of fun because um, it's not, not necessarily a clinical space. It's more of a, like a, uh, it's kind of like a general practice, but like we didn't have a recess or anything. So that was a bit, a bit frightening. Um, I was thinking about when I worked as a medic on a, on a gas mine camp um and you know wednesday night was mexican night and you were sure to be in the clinical night because everyone had reflux and thought they were having heart attacks um so <laughs> you know so there was a lot of a lot of work like that and then i was thinking more about later on and being a manager so i've been away from frontline clinical for a few years now and i've been more in a managerial role and i was thinking about some of the experiences i had and i remember um in a very in a remote location, we'll say, um, as the manager, that I got a phone call to say that one of the graduate nurses had taken a retrieval vehicle to go and retrieve a patient. Um, uh, there'd been a, a single motorbike accident and there was still lots of water around. And so they took the vehicle in through, traverse through water. And of course they took on a lot of water and the vehicle went into limp mode which means that the vehicle wouldn't actually um, drive. So it would only do about 40 <laughs> kilometres an hour. And they, uh, they then, rather than traversing back through to their clinic, they continued on for several kilometres uh, through almost to the opposite side of the, of the area that they were <laughs> in, past several, uh, you know, um, farming playing air, airstrips where you know RFDS could have landed but they, they were thinking I just had to get to this location and they linked across with the patient in the back and uh, yeah I got the phone call the next morning to say you know it's okay it's all right we've got the patient and it's fine but we just don't have the vehicle in we don't have an ambulance in town. Yeah and I think you'd find they got the breakfast in bed at the hospital the regional hospital the next morning just to add misery add to their misery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought I'm you might sure, remember that I'm story, sure, Josh. I'm sure that a good manager then then got a map of the local area and drew a big red circle around where people were allowed to go and where people weren't allowed to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's there's lots of challenges and across lots of different levels, but yeah, lots of lots of good fun as well. It's one of the things for me. At um, I, I say that. People say to, to me, and it's not all about me, but I'll talk about me for a second. Like, why have you been where you are for so long? And I say, because the laughs outweigh the tears. And yes. they certainly do. I and mean, there's certainly a lot of both. Yep. But the laughs, I, I laugh. And I'm sure I know you do as well. And I mean, that's one of the, the reasons if you can see humour 
from a from a perspective of care and empathy and love i think that's that's the key to it isn't it you can't get yourself worked up or angry about little things like you know people driving through floodwaters because at their heart they're trying to do the right thing they're trying yeah. to you know they're yeah. trying to do the right thing yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you laugh and cry at the same time <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what do you miss about, what do you miss most when you work remote? Um, and again, you know, it's interesting hearing people's perspectives on, on this question as well. But I think I've been really lucky that I've been able to take my family with me wherever I've gone. Um, I've got a really good pit crew. Like my husband and three kids are, are really good and really, um, you know, we all kind of just live by, well, we'll just take this opportunity and see where we, where we end up. Um, so that's been really fortunate for me because um, a lot of people have said, you know, they miss family, et cetera, and I was, I was lucky to be able to take mine with me. Um, I think in some of the smaller areas, like in the more remote areas, um, it's the anonymity that I miss. Um, you know, to be able to go down the street or, you know, if you could have a beer at the pub and nobody, nobody knows who you are, um, yeah. Yeah, just that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, people, that's probably the thing that I do miss is to be able to just sort of disappear into the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a beat for people who are staying out for a long time. We all need to let our hair down and defrag. And yeah. some people do it quietly and other people do it loudly. And I, I think you're probably just like me and you do it loudly. And so, you know, there are times when a few days later, you know, oh, we saw you at the pub and, you know, <laughs> yeah. do you remember this during? that yeah 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 you feel like you're you're kind of always always on show yeah but that's also it's a poison chalice i think dan i think that the 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 security that comes with being part of a community is also you like to think that if if shit went down they'd have your back as well and you know that 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 you'd be forgiven and i mean i've always been forgiven my transgressions i mean i've never chopped a puppy's head off in the main street or anything like that but you know i've always been I know. Well, that was the worst thing I could think of at the time. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's also, you know, you are part of a community and people do forgive. And, you know, even though they don't forget, I guess. Yeah. 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 And I think, I guess you're right. You know, the beauty is that when, you know, when the chips are down and you need support and you need someone, there's a lot more people around you than you may, you may think. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And living and working in rural remote areas can be incredibly rewarding, but also really challenging. How do you care for yourself and your mental health when working out in a rural and or remote location? Um, so I, I'm the first to admit that I'm not always so good at this. Um, I, I can become a bit of a yes man. And, you know, mm. if you need something done, yep, I'll do that and I'll sort it and whatever. Um, and I did, I did experience burnout. Um, you know, you you're going into work several hours before you need to be there and you're staying back several hours and the work is never, never done. You know, it's never finished. There's always something more. Um, so I think it's good to, um, a couple of things. So to force yourself to have time off to be away, but also I'm, I was able to do that by setting myself a goal outside of work. So I often think about um, I often think about our Christmas party that we had up in the Cape, and we specifically went to um, Musgrave. Yeah, Musgrave. 
where there was no phone service. And we went there deliberately because there was no way that anyone could call us. And, you know, we were all, we were actually off, really off. So I think... Didn't we get get in our cups and call the the matron from a certain um, community and bully her into coming out as well? (laughs) <laughs> we might have we might have had to find a payphone which you know aren't very common but yeah we did have a little serenade moment on a payphone to try and encourage them to come um but i but think it is in today's in today's day and age isn't it like with with iphones and i mean we all send emails at nine o'clock at night or six first thing when you wake up and it's difficult yeah. to get that balance to get the switch off isn't it yeah yeah, absolutely. So I find if you if you set yourself a goal outside of work, so a lot of people um, take the opportunity to study when they're out in these areas, and I did too. Um, but I also I like running. You know, I certainly don't feel like I look like a, a runner, but I do like um, long distance trail running. So um, I I usually each year set myself a goal to do. A race and it's not in town it's somewhere out of town that I have to travel to which is good because you get out of town and you have a bit of a holiday um, but you have to train for it so I've done the Blackhall 50 kilometer ultra marathon a couple of times and you have to train for that um, you know so you've you've forced yourself into I've got to spend a couple of hours of running every few days or whatever so I think um, it's important to do that. But I also, one thing, a piece of advice that I always gave when I was an educator, when I had grads, um, is I always said to them, you need to book some leave in three months. So, yeah. you know, when you get there and you meet your Don, have it, have a chat and say, I'd like to book some time to take some leave and take a few days off and get out of town. So I think I think that's important to to reset and reconnect. I think for me, one of the things that COVID um, taught me was how much I worked towards goals as well, how hard it was having a peri- an indefinite period where I couldn't book a holiday to Bali, where I couldn't book a holiday anywhere. And I think a lot of us got like that. It was a sense of, it was, it was, it was a feeling like I'd never felt before. It was a very yeah. foreign feeling to myself and a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that not being able to look forward to something, not being able to whimsically get onto Webjet and, and put in how much is a flight to here. And just yep. dream because sometimes that's enough, isn't it? Sometimes yep. that's enough to get you through an evening. Yeah. 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 And then you do. Then you get back on your phone and you, you know, you start sending, checking your accidentally fall into your work emails or whatever. So, you know, like it, it, it yeah. does happen. So you really need to, you, you, you need to set yourself time. Yeah. I think it's important to ask those questions of people that have lived out remote for a long time because, and, you know, you know that you know the absolute shit crazy ones who have been out there. So you don't understand, but you know the ones that have got some semblance of, of not us, of, of not us, no, not but us, no, the no, other no, crazy no. ones. So yeah, the yeah, we're the normal the ones. Other crazy ones. <laughs> but you've got to, but there must be, and it's not a secret, is it? It's 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 coping strategies and mechanisms to be able to cope with isolation and cope with, um, not I wouldn't call it loneliness, but I would call it. Isolation, which is exactly what you were referring to before, it can be yeah. terrible, and it does destroy people. You've got to have you've got to have strategies to live and work remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what do we got next? Ed? Oh, here we go. You must. Oh, what do you do to fill in your downtime on your days off? And I think you've answered this some of these ones because you you're saying you're very lucky to have your family and your dogs and you're running. And those who have never set eyes on uh, Matron Corza, she's about what the hell? You'd be about seven feet tall when you're down. <laughs> <laughs> pretty close a, yeah land of the giants but you you know you've got you've got your you've got your, your family your dogs and your running but what else do you do to fill your days off so 
yeah, so that's kind of what I would do to fill my days off is get involved with the kids' stuff at school. Um, you know, there's always the, the P&F and the tuck shop and, you know, they'd be doing some sort of fundraiser and you'd run them all around to the car wash or whatever. Um, as the kids got older, they had sport or work and, you know, there was those kinds of things to fill in. Um, I, we, when I was at Longreach, we started Park Run. So um, helping volunteering there. So doing a lot of volunteer work. Um, but I think it's important that you, even in like in any of these rural and remote or even the isolated areas, you can be as isolated as you want to be or you can be as involved as you want to be. So it, it can really be... As you choose to be, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can choose to, you know, stay at home and not get involved and not participate or you can choose to actually get out and do stuff, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be with everybody. You know, it doesn't have to be with everybody from work. It can be, you know, other things. There's always things happening and it's up to you. It's your choice. To get out there and, ch and yeah, to chase. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, so, but I think, as we said before, I think it's important to make that time off, you know. So, like we said, you know, plan a holiday or whatever it might be. So, they're the kinds of things that I do on my days off. Housework, you know, feeding, <laughs> feeding the house, bloody yeah. sheep and, you know, doing the washing. <laughs> All those exciting things. Always, you know? always something to do. There's always something to do. I think, and... For me, I remember going into um, Arakoon nearly 15 years ago now, 2007, and that was before the days of the internet and before the days of pay TV. And I remember sitting there on my first weekend in Arakoon watching the TV at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'd never, ever, ever watched the TV. And I got halfway through bed knobs and broomsticks on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and I was like, oh, someone's got to change. Something's got to change. This is we not can't keep doing mate. this. <laughs> I thought, I thought, oh, I'll cook. I'll cook. I'll cook in batches. So I cook like five kilos of spaghetti. <laughs> and then hate it. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Yeah. To this day, I shudder with it sometimes. Anyway, you know, yeah. And then I made a conscious choice. Like, you know, you've got to get out. And it can be daunting in, in, in remote places. It can be daunting. But, yeah. you know, the first step is always the hardest. But once yep. you do that step, yeah. The there's always is. somebody doing something. There's always yeah. something happening. Yeah. Yep, always. Yeah. It mightn't be in your town. It might be, you know, you might have to travel to the next community or, you know, if you can get out, if you're not, you know, stuck by, you know, if roads are open, et cetera. But, you know, there's people travel long distances. I remember the kid, when we were at Longreach, the kids, when they got their licence, would drive over 100 kilometres just to go and get a milkshake because they were the best milkshakes. You know, so there's always something. What is the best milkshake in central Queensland, according to the Pawsey girls? According to my girls, um, the best milkshakes is at, um, uh, oh, I can't think what it's called. Roses, <laughs> is it Roses and Things? Roses and Things, I think it's called, in Bark Alden. A shout out to Roses and Things in Bark Alden. Yeah. Yes, always looking for sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a paid advertisement. Hey Dan. Yeah. What are your three tips for someone who might be thinking about joining the Royal Remote Works workforce? What are your three top tips? Now I felt a lot of pressure to answer this one. Um yeah. I, I 
Yeah, I know, I know, but everyone has really good answers to them. And there's been all sorts of, you know, coming extra education, um, all those sorts of things. And the most common one, and I have to agree, is just do it. Um, You know, like be brave, throw a dart and just go. See what happens. Work it out when you get there. Um, But my second one falls into that is that you need to take each opportunity. So once you do throw the dart, then take the opportunity to go and then take the opportunities that are afforded to you while you're there. Um, You know, you, you won't be doing, you may not be doing what you thought you would be doing when you got there. You might be doing a different role or, you know, something completely out of your comfort zone, but there's, there's opportunities everywhere. So um, my second one is to, you know, take the opportunity um, because you never know where you're going to end up. And I, I love it. I've I've loved my my career has been wild and weird, but really wonderful. So yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good to take just take the opportunity. Um, my third one, uh, I've got I've got four actually. So my third one is to because uh, I, I wrote the question. <laughs> I, I wrote this, so I'm going to have four. Um, the third one is take a friend and someone else has said that as well a few people have said you know don't um if you know bring a buddy with you but it doesn't necessarily have to be a clinician um I think the reason that I've done well and lasted working in rural and remote so long is because I had my husband and kids come with me um you know and Ben gets work wherever he'll you know he's very handy he'll do whatever needs to be done and he'll just work you know um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be another nurse, but, you know, bring, take someone with you. So you've got that bit of comfort to fall back on and someone to debrief and unwind and a bit of familiarity. So it's not so scary. Mm. Um, and the last one, um, I had to throw this in cause I couldn't, I couldn't not have this, but I wanted the other points as well. The last one is not to expect anything. So don't yeah. expect you know, you're not you're not staying at the Pullman uh, when you're out in remote areas. You can stay at the Pullman, but you're not staying in in that. You know, like your your accommodation is what it is. Um, or you know, when the barge turns up with the fresh fruit and veg, you know, everyone is in the same boat. They're all looking for that same fresh fruit and veg for the few days that it lasts. Um, so remember where you are. Like really remember where you are and that you know you are miles from everywhere and the people that live there the community that live there they're the they're the same you know they they've lived through this as well I often see people um you know complaining about the price of fuel you know oh fuel's so expensive in these remote areas they you know the locals pay that fuel price every day and we as a health service pay that price for fuel to run a free ambulance service for you to be able to come up and experience these things on your bucket list, you know? So just, yeah, I think people just need to take a step back, remember where you are, don't expect anything. And, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but you can fix it too. Like I know Ben's really handy. So we've been in places where, you know, like taps are buggered or, you know, you need to replace a toilet seat or, you know, whatever it might be so you just you just do it you just you know fix it and make yourself comfortable while you're there I remember one time a nurse 
um, coming to me and telling me the sheets were folded wrong. And, you know, I think I, I'm one of those people who are quite unflappable, but that time I just thought, well, where have you come from? Of course the sheets are folded wrong. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bloody 002 who probably went to year seven, you know, and this is yep. what I think people need to have some perspective. Yes. Is what, you know, we only have a limited, or there is only a limited um, elements to work with in, in remote and isolated areas. You don't yeah. have the plethora of choices. Yeah. So, you know, everyone, I like to think that everyone is doing their best. And yeah. if, you, if you have that frame of mind that everyone is doing their best and then, you know, then th th that's an easier frame of mind to be in, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, and everyone's waiting for the fresh fruit truck to turn up so they can get, you know, fresh apples. But, you know, come next week, there won't be any left. So everyone will be lining up to get a tin of fruit because that's the only, you know, way you can get your fruit intake. So I think, yeah, just remembering where you are. Yeah. Dan, 50 episodes you started this podcast. And I think I asked you in that first episode, you roused on me because I took the script off you. I said, what do you hope to achieve? <laughs> what do you hope to achieve doing this podcast? And I, what, so I'm going to ask you again after 50 episodes and hoping for another 50. But what are you hoping to achieve here? Um, I really wanted to raise the profile of rural and remote nurses. Um, you know, oftentimes there's that stigma or the, the um, preconception that rural and remote nurses, are they're all cowboys. They're all running away from something. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They couldn't get a job here because they, you know, I'm superior in my little metro pocket. And mm. I I just find I yeah, I wanted to debunk that and let people know that actually rural and remote nursing is the top of your scope. And you don't mm. have to be, you know, you don't have to be um like I've I'd love to have some ENs and AINs um to talk to. Like I've spoken a lot to registered nurses, but you don't have to be a registered nurse to work at the top of your scope. You can be an enrolled nurse and work at the top of your scope in remote rather than being pigeonholed into something in a more metro area. Um, so, mm. yeah, I really just wanted to raise the profile of nursing, of rural and remote nursing, start to get some, uh, some higher level conversations happening about it and getting more of a pathway into rural and remote. So more nurses have that exposure um, of working in remote to try and take some of the pressure off. Like I know there's pressures everywhere on, in workforce, but you know, if if you've only got a team of four and some one person's sick, then you know, you can imagine in you know the Royal Melbournes, if 25% of your staff didn't turn up that day, they'd be yeah. shutting down. Where in rural and remote, yeah. they continue to work. So, yeah, we, we really need to, to change that. Well, I think you're going a long way to doing it, Dan. I think um, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, and I see the Kramer have started up a Yomma podcast. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to it out of, um, out of uh, solidarity for you. But <laughs> I hear that you're presenting at a conference in Adelaide or you've put in to present. So, I've, yeah, I've, Kramer members. Yep. I've put a members. Yeah. Put an abstract in to uh, to present on a nurse outwear at the at the Krana conference, um, but I do, and this is a little well. I don't know whether it will be before or after, but I am interviewing people from Krana, Josh. They're coming on board to talk to me about about their experience, and then talk a little bit more about Krana itself. So, you know, 
they're not all bad. <laughs> no, they're not. They're absolutely, I, and I've had some of the best times of my professional life at Chroma conferences. Those times I can remember. Last time I had it at a vineyard, there's some blurry moments, but you know, look, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> at least she's an Adelaide. Oh, God help us. <sighs> look, I, I think that this podcast is one of those vehicles for combating professional isolation and fostering that, um, that collegiality that we all miss out here. And I think that as a profession, you're absolutely right. We are sometimes at the pinnacle of what we do, and we need to recognize that, but we also need to legitimize it in some respects. There's, um, and, and we do that by you know, reaching out to each other. We do that by conducting research and we do that by professional organisations, exactly what you're doing and what a lot of other the guests are doing. So I think this is an excellent vehicle to, um, to, to, to try and get to that goal. Danielle, I think, um, I think you're an amazing nurse. I think you're a wonderful person. I'm honoured to have been your first person and I'm honoured to have done this 50th celebration. If, if, um, if, if, if and when there's 100, we're going to yep. do it in person. We're going to drink a bottle of champagne and to hell with the outcome, eh? So, <laughs> so there you go, listeners. That's the 50th birthday episode of A Nurse Out Where. Dan, will this come out when you're in Geneva? Um, I think I might just be back or I might be on the plane coming back. So, yeah, I'm going uh, to Geneva to present um, as part of the Global Nurse Leadership Institute um, pro, uh, a project on nursing workforce. Um, and there's, yeah, it's at the World Health Organization headquarters it's in, yeah it'll be very cool i'm really excited look at you go well we're all proud of you from from the the country hit from cessnock to here where you are now <laughs> i never was at cessnock <laughs> matron Close. congratulations thank you for having me thank you very much everyone good night thanks josh If this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.